So, all of us are watching our gas tank in our car lately because the price of gas has gone through the roof and we're always hoping that we're going to get a few more miles per gallon uh, as we go throughout so so we don't speed as much or we don't we don't gun it as much anymore because we're trying to save a few ounces of gasoline uh, but, but as we transition that thought I want you to think about the energy that you have for God that he gives you the power that he gives you through his holy spirit and I want to ask you are you full of the spirit or are you getting there empty do you feel like you're, you're you're dragging a little bit because as we look into god's word his spirit is at work desiring to fill us afresh and anew every day every morning every time we open up his word every time we say a prayer god has the potential of filling us more with his spirit god is good god is generous I want us to understand that the name of my sermon this morning is actually filled to the full with the Holy Spirit. Filled to the full. The the, the second chapter of of Acts in verse 4 tells us that the people in the upper room, which we looked at last week, there were 120 of them, were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the word filled there, if you look in the Greek, if you go back to the original language, The word filled actually means filled to the full with the Spirit. So filled wasn't enough. They had to use a word that meant filled to the full. Filled to the tippity top is how I would say it. Filled to the tippity top with the Spirit. So they weren't halfway there. They weren't a quarter there. They weren't dragging. They were filled to the full. So what does that actually mean? And what does it mean to us as believers today? The best way to explain it is to consider the human vessel that we are to consider that that's what we are told is filled now so let's think of ourselves as human beings for for a minute here we have a mind we have a brain we have a will we have emotions we have our soul right we have all these things that make us human right we're not a rock we're not we're not a tree you know we've got more because god made us and and gave us his image he put within us the image of god and so we know that there's a human spirit I'm not saying it's the holy spirit but there's a human spirit there's a soul within us that that, that has feelings and emotions and has 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 thoughts that are are affected by the mind and then there's the body that contains it all for now you know we we can only be in one place at a time we can't be here and somewhere else Sometimes our mind is trying to take us somewhere else, but we're here. So be present with me this morning as we think about being filled to the full with the Spirit of God. You see, to be filled to the full actually means that the Holy Spirit invades every aspect of us. Our body, our mind, our soul, our spirit are all affected by the Holy Spirit. We, we like to compartmentalize. We like to, to break things up so that maybe we can understand better. We like to think that we know better. But God, by the Holy Spirit, invaded every facet, every function, every facility of the nature of these people who had gathered there waiting for the power. The opening was their willingness to be there. Their willingness to prepare themselves for God. Their their willingness to stay there for those 10 days in that upper room together and pray 
and fellowship and communicate with one another and keep waiting in faith for the spirit to come. There was a spirit-filled yieldedness of obedience, of unity, of a sacrifice of their time. I'm sure they had other things that could take them away and, and, and that they needed to pay attention to. But for that period of time, for these moments, for these days, as they gathered there, they sacrificed those things. And they focused on God. And they prayed. And they prayed. And they prayed. They didn't say little 60-second prayers or two-minute prayers. They prayed. And they listened to one another pray. And they, they, they kept seeking God. They kept remembering what Jesus had said, that his power would come. They didn't know what it would look like or sound like or be like when it came, but they knew it was going to come because Jesus did everything he said he was going to do. He came back from the dead. He rose again after being crucified. He had been faithful. So as the Spirit saw their yieldedness and their openness and their desire for God, He began to function within their speech system, within their brain. It's helpful to think of what happened on Pentecost as a miracle. All right? Can we just remember, it's a miracle what happened. Because we're going to look at this for a moment. Now, I need some of you to exercise some self-control and keep your train, the train of your brain, your thoughts focused on Luke's account of what happened that day. Because often when we start to talk about the fact that they spoke in other tongues, you get immediately distracted. Oh, tongues. So, So focus. Let's look at what Luke says happened that day. Let's not think about all the things and experiences and stories and warnings that you've had in this area. I want you to realize that as the Spirit began to do His work and His followers began to cooperate, Thousands of people were brought to salvation. That's what happened that day. That's what took place. Thousands of people came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because of what the Holy Spirit did that day through his people. That's the focus. That's what God cares about. He does not care about denominations or, 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 or different ideas around tongues and interpretation, things like that. That's not what we're talking about here, right now. So focus on the salvation that came to the people who gathered because they heard the praises of God, it says, in their own language, in their native tongue. So as the believers submitted themselves to the Lord spent the time and energy and focus consciously yielding themselves, opening their heart to God, then somehow the tissues in their brain acknowledged that the Holy Spirit had come. He was now present, which made possible an emotional response, which we call praise. And their bodies were energized, producing a physical radiance and energetic movement within their whole self. This is the miracle. Their minds were captivated by the truth of the Holy Spirit. Their brains thought it out. And their nervous system channeled it with every part of the body responding in unity and oneness to the purpose of God. All that they were was infused with the all-powerful spirit 
the all-powerful spirit of the Lord. And so then praise was the undeniable overflow. Praise began to happen. Spontaneous praise, but all together in unity praise. So it's not like two or three of them were praising God. All 120 of them were praising God with a loud voice in a different language than they were brought up in. In a language they had never gone to language school for. Acts 2 verse 11. Let's read it. It says there were Cretans and Arabs. And if you read the verses before that, there's a whole bunch of other people from every nation under heaven. It says in verse 5. Who began to hear them declaring the wonders of God in their own tongue. The wonders of God were being declared. That's what was taking place. And people could hear it in their own native language. And they came from all these different countries. All these different places because they had gathered for the Feast of Pentecost. So one of the manifestations of this was that they began to speak in other languages that they had not learned. As the Spirit of God gave them the words and the phrases to speak out loud. And those words and phrases were praises to God. We're saying wonderful things about God. We're we're talking about the salvation that God had brought to mankind through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, we don't have a, a manuscript that tells us exactly what they said, but the wonders of God, the wonderful things God has done, has got to be that he has forgiven us for our sins. He has forgiven us and washed us clean and made us his children through the grace and mercy of God that we don't deserve and we could never earn. He did that for us and he did it through his one and only son, Jesus Christ. That's got to be part of the message. We'll find out one day when we stand before him, if he does a little history lesson with us, we'll find out exactly what those words were. But the wonders of God have got to be about the salvation because the, the product of this event is salvation for thousands of people so they couldn't have just been talking about the stars or the moon or the beauty of creation because that's obvious and that's already been discovered the wonder of god is that now you can become a child of god through faith in jesus christ You can be forgiven of all your sins through faith in Jesus Christ. You can have an eternal life beyond this world. A life that can it not even be described, but it's a good place. There's no pain. There's no sorrow. There's no sadness. There's no death. You can have that life as a gift through faith in Jesus Christ. That is a wonderful news. And that is the best news that could have been exclaimed. And these people were overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit and by the truth of God's word and what God was doing. And they just spoke it right out loud. So what happened was specifically these Galatians, these people who lived in Galilee and in the region of Galilee, whose native language was Aramaic, were suddenly able to speak Latin and Greek and all the other language represented by the people who gathered here that day. That whole passage there, people from all over different areas of the world, the known world at that time, could hear the message of the wonderful thing that God had done in their own language. In their own language. Now, it's funny how our ears are and our brain is, right? If you've ever traveled anywhere out of the country, even if you went to Montreal, you know, many people are speaking French, you know, and if you're not a French speaker, you start to feel like, well, you know... I don't know what they're talking about. 
you know, I don't know how to give my order in French, you know, I hope they speak English, you know, we, we kind of say, oh, you know, I hope they'll understand me if I speak in my, my native language, right? But if you hear someone speak in English or Spanish, if that's your native language, you, your, your ear is immediately in tune with it. You don't miss it. You're like, oh, oh, there's one right there. Come here, come here. Can you help me order this, you know, this bread? I think bread's called pan, you know, in, in, in French, you know. So, so you, you, you hear it and your brain immediately understands it. That's what happened here. The miracle of the Holy Spirit is that the, the wonders of God, the wonderful things that God has done were now being spoken in the heart language or in the native language of those all around in that crowd that day. Now, I don't know about you, but have you tried to study a foreign language as an adult? Have you tried to, a language you have not been introduced to? And say like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna travel to, to, uh, Russia, you know? Oh, I shouldn't have chose that. I'm gonna travel to China. Uh, and I'm gonna learn Chinese before I go. And then you get, you know, your Rosetta Stone or something like that. And they're going, bang, 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 bang. And you're like, what? I can't do this. You know, your brain as an adult is a little, like, you know, trained. It's already trained. It knows the words that it knows and it doesn't know the words it doesn't know. So it takes time to retrain your brain. And some people are really good at this. I, however, am not. Foreign languages are very difficult for me. I don't know if it's a form of dyslexia or something like that, but very hard. So when I was a senior in college, I had to transfer to another school because my original school was merging with another school. And I went to this school out in, in New York. And one of the requirements of that school was a foreign language, which was silly to me as a senior, as a senior in college. Why do I need to learn a foreign language? So I thought, okay, well, all right, what are the choices? Well, they were close enough to, to Canada that they, you know, French was the big one. I said, okay, I'll try to learn French for the year. You know, it was awful. It was miserable. I was so unhappy, but I made it through by the skin of my teeth, as they say, <laughs> barely made it through so that I could graduate. From college, because they required that. So I don't know if you've ever been in that situation, but as an adult trying to learn a new language, a completely foreign language, is in—it's just incredibly hard. And it would take a miracle for you in an instant to begin telling someone about God's greatness in another language that they could actually understand you. Because when you first start to speak, you, you you talk like a baby, right? Every word is, you know its own little word you, you go slow and you talk like a baby in that language and but these people were so filled with the holy spirit so overcome with the joy of what god has been doing and what god was now doing in their hearts that it just flowed out of them i want you to understand the miracle of this because to be able to speak and articulate in a brand new language is a miracle and, and, and this, this guy Ogilvy, he wrote in his book, uh, his uh, commentary, this, this passage. So I'll, I'll try to read it quickly. But it says, when we understand how complicated the mechanism of articulation is through the system of the brain, we can begin to see what a phenomenal, phenomenal miracle it was that happened that day for the Lord's people. You see, the cerebral cortex of the brain sends a signal to the bronchus speech center where words are formulated. This idea, this area lies 
on the lateral side of the dominant brain, whatever that means. And with, with the aid of the motor cortex on both sides of the brain, messages are then sent deep into the brain where the medulla it lies. Here, two cranial nerves, the 12th, which control the tongue, and the 7th, which controls your mouth, they're both stimulated into action. At the same time, the cerebral motor cortex takes our voluntary control of respiration, breathing, which I'm not doing well at right now, from the medulla obligata, and where the involuntary respiration center usually controls your respiration, the signals are sent down the phrenic nerve to the diaphragm down here to the thorax nerves to cause the person to exhale on command the combination of all of this produces speech it's a miracle I could even read it (laughs) this happened because the people were filled with the spirit you know, just try to picture it like the, the little nerves and everything going and the diaphragm and the mouth and the lips and the tongue and everything and they could do it it's a miracle it's a miracle that God did for salvation of his people Luke tells us that the praise of these spirit filled believers was spoken in the languages of people that had gathered in Jerusalem for Pentecost the magnificent mechanism of speech was utilized by God to enable the believers to think and articulate the languages that they'd never studied and never learned and probably never heard before. If they heard them, they didn't understand them. The followers of Jesus were so caught up with Jesus, they were ecstatic with praise. They just, they didn't think about this. They weren't trying to process this. They weren't thinking, well, step one, open your mouth. Step two, do your diaphragm. Step three, make the brain go from here. No, they weren't doing that. They were so caught up with God, so caught up with praise for Jesus that it just happened. They were ecstatic. The spirit stimulated their minds and their emotions, and they both thought and spoke uncontrollable praise for what God had done. And the evidence of the filling of the Spirit that day is a freedom from self-consciousness which had been transformed into Holy Spirit consciousness. All they cared about in that moment was being filled with God's Spirit and expressing what the Spirit was doing in the world at that moment. So my question for you and for me, have you ever felt that free to release yourself in praise, in joy, in gratitude for what God has done, in praise. Have you done this privately, maybe? Have you done it in your car? Have you done it publicly, maybe in a small group or in a stadium of thousands of people? Have you ever just released yourself in praise to God? These believers were releasing their heartfelt praises so freely that it caused a large crowd to gather around them that day. It was not just that they heard their own language, but it was what they heard in their own language. The wonders of God. You see, these believers, they felt blessed and loved by God. They felt safe in God's presence. 
They had seen his faithfulness to do what he promised to do for them. And that now he had returned to them in his spirit. He was not only resurrected from the dead. He was now with them. He was not just with them. He was in them. That caused an uproar of praise in them and this miracle to take place. So I ask you to close your eyes for just a minute. Try to remember the most wonderful things that have ever happened to you. Maybe one or two, three things. Just wonderful. Those greatest days of your life. And now multiply that by a million. And we might begin to understand what was taking place in these believers, in these ordinary believers. Think about a human relationship in which you felt free to be yourself, where you felt completely loved, where someone helped you in a very personal and specific way. Or remember the time that you first experienced the love of God through hearing the gospel message and receiving it as truth. Or consider a time when you prayed for an impossible situation and you had a very specific answer, so specific, so amazing that it could only have been God who answered that prayer. Thinking about these things might help us a little to understand what Pentecost was like. It must have been like seeing Jesus walking on the water, but so much more. It must have been like Easter morning and the news that Jesus was alive, but so much more. For these believers, all of the external observations that they had had, whether they had followed him through his ministry years or not, everything that they had heard and seen had now gone from being a story that they heard outside themselves to actually being an internal presence with them, a power that lived within them. So no wonder their praises were so loud, so joyful, so ecstatic. You can open your eyes. Some of you are very obedient. Spirit, fill them, give them. So I want you to to notice God's heart in all of this. Remember last week I showed you how God included everyone in that room? The men and the women, the old and the young, all 120 of them were filled. Not just the disciples, not just the men, not just the good ones. Everyone who came there and submitted themselves to him. However, God was not finished sharing himself with mankind. He wasn't satisfied with only 120 people. God wanted to express his whole heart to the whole world. God's heart is expressed in the vision that Jesus shared with the disciples in Matthew 28, 19. In Matthew 28, 19, he said, he had the whole world in his mind when he said, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. In Acts 1, 8, he says, you will be my witnesses to the very end of the earth. And now here, staying in Jerusalem, were God-fearing Jews from Every nation under heaven, Acts 2.5 says. Because God wants everyone to rejoice and enjoy him personally. He's not satisfied with a small group of people. He wants to bless the whole world. Jesus died in John 3.16 
For God so loved the whole world that he gave his only son. So how does this happen? How do we get to a place where we're just so caught up with God and all that God has done and all that God is promising to do and the spirit just filling us to the full? How does this happen? How do we live this way? Well, I want to tell you that probably only about half of you each week come to church joyfully, submitting yourself to God. Now, I know I'm making up a number, half. Maybe it's a little more than that. Maybe it's a little less. Some of you come begrudgingly to church. Oh, got to get up. Got to get dressed. Got to drive my car. Oh, it's cold outside. Got to get a jacket. You know, we, 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 we come, we do it. But we do it because like, ah, oh, it's on my list. I got to get to church. And then I got to get to the big Y. Then I got to make a sandwich. You know, like we, we, we have this like, ah, uh, you know. Some of you, when you see other people praising God, you say to yourself, well, that's fine for them. I'm sure their life is perfect. Mine is not. Mine is difficult. Mine is painful. I don't feel like praising God. So guess who's in charge in those moments? You. And when you're in charge, life is small because you're not God. Neither am I. When the spirit of God, God himself is in charge, life is big. Life is open. Life is available to you. And sometimes we, we, we have this false idea. We think that the disciples were some jolly group of, you know, you know joyful musicians who followed Jesus around. Just you know, no, no, they weren't. The disciples were not some carefree band of believers before Pentecost. They had personal problems. They had relational problems. They lived in the real world. They lived in a world that was actually hostile towards them because they had aligned themselves with Jesus. And they needed courage, but they didn't have it. They were locked in a room hiding before Pentecost. Peter tells the crowd what they needed to do to change. And this is true for us as a member of that crowd. In Acts 2, verse 38, so after all this stuff goes on, and he preaches this sermon, in verse 38, he said, they, they say to him, what shall we do? What shall we do? And so Peter says, repent, be baptized, every single one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent. If you struggle being a part of the God's church, if you struggle opening your Bible to read, just repent. Just say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm, I'm not observing your word and letting it soak into my life and change me. I'm sorry. Help me to repent. Repent just means turn. Turn towards that. So as Peter does this, as Peter preaches to them, the Holy Spirit's at work. And the Holy Spirit is so beautiful because it's the heart of God, it's the heart of Jesus that he touches the hearts of 3,000 people. I don't even know how that happened except it's a miracle. And because of that, life is brought to those who are dead. 
Sinners are made children of God. Change takes place. The Apostle Paul wrote, and this is my closing scripture for this part. The, the, the Apostle Paul wrote in, in Romans fifteen thirteen, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you, what does it say? Trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. What a beautiful prayer. Paul's praying this for the church in Rome. But through the Spirit, it's also being prayed for you and for me and for everyone who comes to Jesus. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you can overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Well, God is so mighty and majestic and perfect that none of us can reflect every part of him. So he has scattered his attributes through the Holy Spirit throughout the entire church. And each of us is reflecting him in unique and very important ways. You may not know it yet, but you do. This is why we hear that each of us is a part of God's body, the church. Each of us is uniquely made for a divine purpose. So we reflect his image by reflecting parts of God's heart to one another and to the world. Because each of you are made in God's image. And his spirit is in you to help you to reflect God, God's character, God's love to the world around you. As a pastor and as a man, I can do some of that. But you must do the rest. As members of the body, we have someone up here like Lila. She's singing. She's, she's reflecting a part of God as she sings those songs. Or Tanya as she teaches her children's lessons. But there's many other gifts among us and within us. And you have those within you if you have the Holy Spirit. You're part of God's plan. To illustrate this, I'm going to ask my sister Elaine McKay to come up here. She's written a story that she would love to share with mothers today. Now, she can't share the whole thing because there's not enough time. But I asked her to just take an excerpt of it and share with you. And we've made copies of the whole thing. It's actually on a colored paper like this. You'll get it in the lobby if you want one on the way out, especially you moms. But she wrote a special blessing for moms today. And I want you to hear a little bit of the story and the uniqueness of God's character as she reflects that to you right now before we go. So we don't have a closing song. We have a closing praise and story from Elaine. Thank you, Pastor Tom. <clears throat> you have to speak up. Speak up. Yes. Yes. Last May, as I enjoyed a mid-morning cup of tea and a crumpet at the table in my home, I observed a large black and white fluff, perhaps a foot, foot and a half long and tall, moving across our yard. And I looked and I said, wow, what is that? I grabbed my camera and started clicking. If that is a skunk, it is huge. Wow. But soon, 
puffs of black and white little furs began to start popping off separate from the large puff. Hmm. I think I counted four or five. Snapping the pictures, I finally figured it out. It was Bummer Skunk. Taking the kids shopping with her as she was scrounging for bugs and perhaps some seeds on the ground from the feeder, nurturing the needs of her body for her nursing babies, which she apparently had in tow. She nuzzled along the ground as well. Oh, excuse me, they, the little ones, they nuzzled along the ground as well, acting as if they knew what the heck they were doing. They just didn't get it. They were young. Soon they started reattaching themselves once again to mom. They liked that much better. Soon the large puff was waddling along. And the puffball once again moved along to under the boxwood bushes right there by the lawn, out of my sight. The delightful, charming show was over for me. Now, would you not agree that this was indeed a mother's love in black and white? On display for me, and today to tell the story to you. How many of you moms out there can take a step back in time with me, maybe 60 years for me, when we were off to the grocery store with the perhaps three, or how many you had, some people had more, as it was for me, with the kids in tow. I, I certainly wasn't going to leave them home alone. I remember I was busy and not that easy and not without incident, I'd like to add. Now as we reflect back on our lives, our lives, all of us, shall we say it has been an adventure? We have all come to realize Everything wasn't black and white. Though we had many good times, laughter, good times, took its many curves and not perfect, always with many challenges, perhaps with heartaches, mistakes, brokenness, broken dreams, unforgiveness, tears, not that perfect joy that we thought life was supposed to be. But the Bible reassures us that we serve a God who will never leave us or forsake us if we will trust him with his perfect love in black and white. Fear not, I am with you, he says throughout the Bible. I will, I will, if you will only trust me and believe. We serve a God who can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Be still, you moms, and I might add, you wonderful dads out there, too, and know that he is God. Though the seasons change in New England, as well as the seasons of our lives, God never changes. He loves us as our Heavenly Father with his everlasting 
love in black and white. Now that I'm old and gray, which I am, I share my old and gray scripture with you. I believe it was written by David from Psalm 71, 18 to 21. This is the way it goes. Even when I'm old and gray, oh God, do not forsake me till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. Your righteousness has reaches to the skies, O oh God, who you who have done great things. You, O oh God, who is like you? Though you have made me see troubles, many and bitter, you will and have restored my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will increase my honor and comfort me once again. A very happy Mother's Day. Love me, a mom, and also a grandma. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Let's close with prayer. Father God, thank you so much for the way in which you express yourself by your spirit through our lives. We ask that you would continue to open us up more and more to fill us to the full with your spirit. We want to be testimonies of your wonderful things that you have done. The salvation that we have in Jesus, the forgiveness, the grace, the mercy, all the things that you have given to us and have promised to fulfill for us in the future. So Lord, we come before you as we get ready to leave here today. We ask you to continue to fill us to the full with your Holy Spirit. Bless our moms especially today. Fill them up with your joy and your strength as we honor them this Mother's Day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.